Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Welcome into the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for the next hour as we wrap up a football Friday here on WGR. The Buffalo Bills getting ready to take on the Green Bay Packers this Sunday night. Home Sunday night football game as well, as you've probably been hearing. You probably already know as well. It's going to be a big game, but it is not what it was you know, when the schedule first came out. When the schedule first came out, this was truly a marquee game. You know, back-to-back MVP Aaron Rodgers visiting Buffalo to take on Josh Allen. Is this Allen's MVP year? How will the Packers look without Devontae Adams? Will the Bills be able to bounce back from 13 seconds? There was a lot of storylines leading up to this game. There was a lot of them before the season started. And now if the season has started, the storylines have flipped really only for one team, the Green Bay Packers. For the Bills, it is still, this is their hunt for the Super Bowl. They're still awesome. Is Josh Allen going to get his his MVP to tie it up with Patrick Mahomes? All that stuff. But for the Packers, we kind of have a lot of answers on the questions they had coming in. And now the storylines are more, how do they recover? We know how the team looks without Devontae Adams. Not good. Their defense is still good. They have maybe, I think, the number one pass defense in the league. But a lot of this is due a lot, in fact, to... The teams they've played, Chicago, Tampa this year with Brady is not great. New England with, at first it was Brian Hoyer, then Bailey Zappi, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Taylor Heineke. But they've lost three in a row. So the Packers have come into this season, number one, with a ton of questions, and they've answered a few of them, just not with answers a lot of Packers fans wanted, where Bills fans have come into this year with a lot of questions, and have answered a lot of them to rather, you know, roaring success and, and very good reviews, I, I would think. I mean, they're still the Super Bowl favorite for a lot of people, if not basically everybody. Josh Allen seems to be, you know, not maybe the runaway MVP, but it does kind of feel like we're getting pretty close to it's not technically his award, but like we're just kind of waiting to the award ceremony to give it to him. We're very close to that. But so, what I want to talk about first tonight, we'll also talk about some of the trade targets, you know, what trade targets you like out there. You can tweet at me, at ZacharyJones198. What is your dream trade target for the Bills to get? Don't worry about salary cap 
if you have to give up something, just who would you just almost get emotional at if you saw the Bills trade it for this guy come Tuesday? We'll do that in the second you know, half of the show. But for right now, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about the Packers and Bills matchup. Because initially, when I was doing my Bull Predictions article you know, all those months ago before the season started, I mean, I can't believe you know, I did that in August and we're end of October going into November. It feels like it was yesterday. I was back and forth on the NFC about which team I thought would face the Bills in the Super Bowl. I was confident. I thought the Bills would be in the Super Bowl. That wasn't too hard for me. I was. I, I thought just they're battle-hardened enough. They they have the scar tissue now thanks to 13 seconds. I thought the Bills would get in. That wasn't really that tough for me to kind of decide that. The NFC was a little bit more difficult. Initially, I had Tampa Bay in there as well. I kind of removed them a little bit due to you know Brady's retirement and then coming back. I just I literally didn't want to give them like the time of day. And it came down to San Francisco and Green Bay. And ultimately, I picked San Francisco because a big part of it for me was I thought Trey Lance would pop off. I thought he would be that second-year quarterback that just took the massive step we're very used to seeing. And actually, we're not seeing it really much this year at all. Guys like Trey Lance gets hurt. Trevor Lawrence is still just too inconsistent. Justin Fields has nothing around him. Mac Jones is potentially going to get benched. And Zach Wilson is still garbage. We have not seen a guy take that second-year leap at all. If anything, I feel less confident about every single one of these quarterbacks rather than thinking one of these guys are, are just one year away from being you know one of the guys. But I picked the 49ers over the Packers because of that. I thought Lance was going to take that huge jump, and actually I thought he'd really compete with Josh for the MVP. I really did think that highly of Trey Lance. I still do, but of course we just won't know. He got hurt. And he's out for the year, and he got hurt like week two or three. But so now where we're at with the Packers, this game on the schedule was always one I, w- I was interested in. I knew I wasn't going to go. I, I, I now work the Bills games, and that, that ticket price would just be too much for me to bear. I knew I was already going to go to one game. I went on the road. I went to Baltimore. So I was like, all right, won't even worry about the Packers game. We'll just worry about, you know, that's Sunday night. That should be amazing. It's going to be in Buffalo. It's going to be cool. And then as the season has gone on, the Packers have just gone more and more from a team you you couldn't wait to see the Bills take on because of the matchup between Rodgers and Allen. And Allen maybe getting one of his last chances to like beat one of the great quarterbacks from a bygone era. He has yet to beat Brady. He's played great games against Brady, but he's yet to beat him. Ben Roethlisberger, he lost to him last year in Week 1 and then didn't play him a few years ago. He did get him, though, I want to say on Monday Night Football during the pandemic year. So he's got one there. But Rodgers is really, to me at least, Rodgers is sort of the archetype for Allen. Josh talks a lot about the stuff he's picked up from Aaron Rodgers. He said it a number of times to the media this week as well. The, The little hop step that he does and even his throwing motion and everything. And you can tell. Him and Rodgers, though, I think more than any quarterback I've ever watched in terms of their career, have changed their throwing motions and really their mechanics and everything so drastically. No one has touched these two, to me at least, in, in, in terms of that aspect. If you go back, there's you can find it on YouTube. Aaron Rodgers, not his first start, but the first time coming in for Brett Favre. It was against the Dallas Cowboys. Tony Romo, Terrell Owens was on, the, on that Cowboys team and stuff like that. I mean, Aaron Rodgers now is kind of known for, I, I, I don't want to say almost lazy sort of mechanics, but it does he makes it look effortless. The ball is down low. He kind of just does a flick and, and, and all that stuff. He came in for this game, and the ball was way up at his ear and, and just so fundamental. 
I mean, that's what it looked like. That's what you show your kids. I'm like, this is how, if you're going to play quarterback, this is how you got to look. And then it kind of naturally progresses into what you actually wind up doing. But it was so fundamental. And it, it was it was jarring to see Rodgers look like that compared to what he is now, compared to what he was when he started for the Packers. You know, I think a year later or two years later. Where Allen, I, I, I sure, I'm sure a lot of Bills fans have done this. You know, going back to the rookie year highlights, the second year highlights, and it's stunning how different he throws the ball now or in his third year compared to his rookie year. His rookie year, everything, it felt like he was a pitcher. That he, like, his his non dominant foot had to stride forward and the ball would be cocked all the way back and then he would let it go. And, th- and there wasn't a ton of touch. The ball took quite a long time for it to release out of his hands. And now he's much more of just quick pop hit there, you know, and just, and it's methodical. It's, it feels much more smooth. It doesn't feel like he's a robot. It doesn't feel like either quarterback really sits back and really makes sure that they're doing everything in, in their power to make sure they hit every single step, which makes sense. Muscle memory and all that stuff. And, and, and Allen has talked about how much he's worked on his, his throwing mechanics and all that stuff. And even he's, he talked about it with Chris Sims, I think right before the season started, about how he's not actually as mechanically sound as he'd like to be, which is stunning seeing from where he started when he was drafted by the Bills to now. And I'm like, dude, how much can you, how much more can you change? Because it is a lot. But now this matchup, or before for me, it was a lot of seeing, to me, what feels like, you know, the quarterback Allen idols maybe the most. To where now, it's not a matchup between those two. It instead just feels like a team, the Packers, who just, they missed their window. And now that window is closed, that door is closed, and it's a slow death to when eventually Rodgers will retire. He's going to be 39 in, I think, December. And while he may not retire at the end of this year, it's probably likely coming soon. Even with this contract extension, it's probably coming soon. Where the Bills seemingly have now entered their window, probably for the next three to four years, where they can really, really grab a number of Super Bowls. I also look at this not not necessarily emotionally, but looking at it as sort of I I I like football. I I watch games pretty regularly that aren't the Bills, just because when I was growing up, the Bills were not good. So for me, it was always watching other teams play. And Aaron Rodgers has always always been that quarterback for me. I may not like the guy in terms of like what he's sort of become, kind of arrogant, bit of a nasty attitude as well. But when he retires, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be upset a little bit. I think. I, I think I'm gonna be kind of upset and and miss the early years because I mean it, his career and the team he's played for, the Green Bay Packers, of course, taking over for a legend in Brett Favre and, and how well he did in that role can never be under it can never be underestimated how difficult that was. And and, and Bills fans. We sort of feel that with Josh Allen sort of finally someone taking the reins from Jim Kelly, but it's just not the same thing. Kelly and Allen, there's you know well over a 20-year window between the two where Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench behind Brett Favre and eventually to take over and then had to deal with the after, you know, aftermath of Brett Favre wanting to come back and then being told he can't, that they're moving on to Rodgers. And while I don't remember that time you know, you know, very much, I was, I was still relatively young, Seeing videos of Packer fans, 
you know, legitimately being furious that the team would not welcome Brett Favre back and that they didn't really care that Rodgers was coming in. And then watching Aaron Rodgers' first start against the Minnesota Vikings in Lambeau, and the whole broadcast is just about this poor guy having to take over for a legend. To me, that the mystique around Rodgers is gone. I mean, we, we now know who Rodgers is. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer with a career that should have had more. And, you know, Mike and Sal today on the roundtable were talking a little bit about you know, if you could right now, Allen gets all of Aaron Rodgers' career, which means the four MVPs, the one Super Bowl appearance and win, would you take it right now? And I think Sal was asked this question, I want to say a few months ago, and I think him and Sneaky Joe said the same thing too, that they wouldn't. That they would take the unknown. They would take door number two of which is, uh, he could wind up with no Super Bowls. He could wind up never even making it to one. He could become his generation's Dan Marino. They both took that that door. Door number two. And for me, this is also, for Allen and maybe Bills fans and, and maybe the Bills as a whole, looking at a team that you could become. Those Packer teams in the early 2010s were awesome. They could just score points like the best of them. That year after Rodgers wins the Super Bowl, he doesn't have a great season. 28 touchdowns, 11 picks. He plays 15 out of 16 games. It's not like he didn't you know, play a ton because he's had years where he gets hurt. He played pretty much every single game. And they were a wild card. They were a six seed. They won on a huge run. They beat, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin Steelers. In It felt like a blowout at the time. The scoreboard, I believe, showed that it wasn't really. But the one big thing I remember from that game is not Rodgers. It's James Starks. You'd be running back almost having 100 yards. And, you know, as, as a UB fan and as somebody who grew up in Buffalo, I was furious that they weren't giving the ball to James Starks more. That's that's what I remember from that Super Bowl, not Rodgers getting one. But what I do remember from that is this kind of understanding that Aaron Rodgers would be getting more. That this would not be the only time we see him in a Super Bowl, and yet that's what it's become. The Bills will be looking at a team that they hope they don't become themselves. The year after that Super Bowl... The bill, or the, excuse me, the Packers go fifteen and one. They are a wagon. They are blowing teams out like nobody's business. Aaron Rodgers is one of the most efficient and high flying offenses of all time. I think forty five touchdowns to six picks. He is lights out every week. He is unbelievable. They lose in the divisional round, the first playoff game of the year, to the New York Giants. Boom, done, out. And to me, that maybe was their best chance, really, to win another Super Bowl. They had another; they had a few more runs. They lose into Seattle after Russell Wilson has maybe his worst game as a Seahawk. I think three or four picks, and yet they lose in overtime because in the fourth quarter that defense collapses and it's it's a tire fire from then on. And then the most recent years, these last two years, Rogers winning the MVP, and then when they get in the playoffs, he seemingly only wants to target Devontae Adams. Doesn't matter if there's a better play. Two feet in front of him, he's going to go deep to Devontae Adams, even if he's covered by three guys. I don't think that's what the Bills are going to become. I don't. The Bills have a better defense than the Packers ever did during those runs. That was a big reason why they never got back to another Super Bowl. Those defenses were terrible. Clay Matthews was a great name, but the defenses he led were not very good at all. They gave up a ton of points. I think the... Tredavious White, Von Miller, Ed Oliver-led defenses of the Bills are superior in every way. But a part of me will be watching this game, not thinking that the Packers will win. I, you know, Initially, I want to kind of talk about this segment as like, you know, we're not giving the Packers enough credit. I think I've come to that realization just on my own that, no, we're giving them the right amount of credit. We, we've had Packers guests 
all over the station this week, and and basically the consensus is the Packers are not a very good football team at at present. They could become that. The rookies could take a huge step. You know, whatever it is. But for right now, they're just not a good football team. So I, I initially thought the segment was going to be that. Are we giving them enough credit? But as, as I'm, I'm playing the opening song, I'm like, no, they, they're not good. Instead, what it became to me is more the unrealized potential of the Aaron Rodgers Packer teams. If you were alive during the 90s, there's a bit of an unrealized potential with the Brett Favre Packer teams. Something I'll probably talk about more when Rodgers retires is, 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 is I don't think the Packers are a very well-run organization. I think they're actually quite poor. But they've found themselves into two, without a doubt, first bout Hall of Fame quarterbacks right in a row. 30 years, give or take, of untouched Hall of Fame quarterback play. And both guys didn't take a year or two to really kind of discover their potential. Both really hit the ground running. Far with three straight years of just unparalleled, untouched MVP play. Aaron Rodgers with his own four MVPs. And yet they have two Super Bowl titles in 30 years. Three Super Bowl appearances. No one really talks about it because of, of the longevity. But it is an incredible run of disappointment. From bad playoff games by both quarterbacks. Disappointing regular seasons by some, but Rodgers has been very, very good in the regular season. But I think... Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now we might be getting into his late era Favre run, where it's not good, where the team does miss the playoffs, where Rodgers just is flat out not playing well. He's held on longer than Favre, but Favre at the end was just not a guy that could get you into the playoffs year in and year out. And if he did, that Favre throw, we all know the one that you just got to catch it. He's going to give you one, two, or three. You just got to catch him. Those throws became more frequent. Rodgers is not that quarterback. He never has been that quarterback. A lot of his greatest seasons are a ton of touchdowns and less than 10 picks. But I do... Think of this game, and I'm going to watch this game with that that thought in my head of, is this kind of the end, though, of that Packers run? 
is this kind of it? If they lose this week, they're three and five. They're two games under five hundred. They're right where we're apparently seeing the Tampa Bay Bucks. But the Bucks, it does feel much more like this is sort of the end of Tom Brady. Yes, he came back out of retirement, but it does have this feeling of all right, he's about done. He's about done. Rodgers, he just signed an extension. You don't really have that same feeling around him. But yet, if they find themselves at three and five, and at that point. They can probably kiss away the NFC North. The Vikings right now are 5-1 and one and are going up against Arizona. Arizona doesn't have James Conner, who's a big part of their offense. I think the Vikings could win that game. They're 6-1, and one, and the Packers find themselves at 3-5. and five. That division's over with. And actually, they'd be closer to the Chicago Bears, who are 3-4 and four right now. And they play Dallas, and they're probably going to lose. I think they're a 10.5-point underdog there. They'll probably lose, but ultimately, they're both 3-5. and five. Detroit... This is the only one just kind of completely floundering, but one more win in there right there as well. They're two teams going on completely different trajectories, and yet for the last two years they've basically been on they've basically been on the same pedestal the whole time. The Packers running away with the NFC, finishing with 13 and 3, 14 and 2, whatever it be, or whatever the records are now. And the Bills being right there in, in the AFC. Hugely led by their quarterbacks and their Unbelievable number one wide receiver. Devontae Adams for the Green Bay Packers. Stephon Diggs for the Bills. And maybe it's because Allen is younger. Maybe it's because the Bills under Brandon Bean have been one of the smartest organizations in all of American sports. But for whatever it is, whatever reason, the two teams have gone on completely different roads. The Bills now look like they're actually heading towards their Super Bowl window. It does feel like that window is wide open. The breeze is flowing in for the next three or four years. Even when Allen's contract initially hits, they'll have still that window of, okay, we can still pay people, we can still have people on this team. But even then, you're not really worried about the Bills in terms of depth. We've seen it this year. The Bills draft incredibly well, especially late-round guys. Well, the Packers, the drafts have been okay, but really marred by controversy. Namely, Jordan Love, who, no fault of his own, may go down as one of the worst first-round picks ever just because he never got to see the field. And the moment after they drafted him, two straight MVPs for their apparently almost going to retire quarterback. Instead of adding a piece on the offensive line or a linebacker or, of course, a wide receiver, who even now, coming towards Tuesday, we're going to talk a little bit about the trade deadline in the next segment, but for the Packers at least, even now can sit there and go, Maybe try to go get DJ Moore out of Carolina. I agree with Mike. I don't think DJ Moore gets traded. I think that's a player you have to keep if you're Carolina. He has the ability to be the next Stephon Diggs. Or for Carolina, he can just be their breakout wide receiver that they've already paid. But if he is traded to a team with a superstar quarterback, he is going to break out like Stephon Diggs. They can go after Elijah Moore, a guy I think they could go after. He's on a rookie deal. The Jets may just try to get picks or, or, or something along those lines for a disgruntled wide receiver who clearly sees the running on the wall and sees that I'm not going to do anything here with Zach Wilson as my quarterback, and it's only going to affect my future earnings. I'm going I'm to I'm you know, exit stage right and get out of this before you know it starts getting blamed on me or all of a sudden the Jets won't sign me back because my quarterback's terrible. They can get Elijah Moore. I even thought for a while in the offseason, before Terry McLaurin signed his big deal, or even DK Metcalf signed his, that they should have gone after one of those guys to just have an immediate replacement 
for Terry McLaurin, or excuse me, for Devontae Adams. And they never did. Instead, they stuck with the rookies, and now here we are. You have a quarterback who doesn't want to show up to offseason workouts. You have a quarterback who has always been a bit of a personality to deal with. That's putting it lightly. He's a personality. And now you're staring down at 3-5. and five. You're a 10.5-point underdog. The first time in Rodgers' entire career. This does feel like the end of the Packers season. For the Bills, it does kind of just feel like another game. Yes, it's Sunday Night Football. It's in Buffalo. It's amazing. But really tell me, doesn't it just kind of feel like another game? That if this was at Sunday at 1, yeah, it feels like they were playing Pittsburgh. There's a name still, Aaron Rodgers, and this game could absolutely go the other way and, and the Packers pull off the upset. We just saw this with Tampa Bay and Carolina. It's not how it feels at all, though. It feels like another game. The Bills are just going to take care of business and move on with their day. They'll go to 6-1, and one, and they'll think nothing of it. It's an NFC team, so it doesn't necessarily play huge stakes in the number one seed in the AFC. For Allen, it'll probably play big for his MVP conversation. He beats another former MVP, last year's MVP, to go along with beating Mahomes and Lamar. Certainly adds to him, but for the most part, we'll, we'll keep going. There will probably be somebody that we sit here in, in, on Monday morning or Sunday night and just, wow, I mean, this, this guy, you know, this whole, this whole team is, is deep in terms of talent. They could, just, they, they could just go through everybody. doesn't matter if Spencer Brown was out. David Questenberry was amazing. Maybe you'll get a guy like Khalil Shakir makes a huge play and everyone wants to talk about that. Or maybe Isaiah McKenzie has a bit of a redemption game after having a really tough go in Kansas City. But to me, it doesn't feel like this huge game for the Bills. It feels far more important for the Packers because it feels like it could be the end of an era. That for 30 years, they were untouched in terms of Hall of Fame quarterback play. With a few years here and there, of, you know, due to injuries or just guys getting old, that they didn't make the playoffs. But for the most part, the Packers, for my entire life and for many of yours, have just been a stalwart, great organization in football. And that does feel like it's coming to an end because from what we've seen from Jordan Love, it is, is not good. And we've seen how this team treats free agency and drafting. They're not able to just put together a great team. They're able, to, they're able so apparently, to put great quarterbacks on the field. But outside of that, they've had such difficulties doing everything else. Which is stunning because they're really the team that made the first big splash in free agency. Reggie White. And yet, I don't think they've ever topped a move like that ever in their history. It's been, what, almost 30 years for that as well. That they just never have topped. That move, that splash grab. The Bills just made that with Von Miller. That's why I feel these teams are so similar. I actually do feel like this current Bills iteration is a lot like that Green Bay Packers team, I want to say in 97, when they beat the Patriots. They added Reggie White, and boom, that was the last piece they needed, and they were off to the races. And that was in the middle of Brett Favre's un, you know, unprecedented three straight years, three straight MVPs, untouchable. But it is going to be interesting to watch this game. It will not really be a storyline, but to me it will be. That this does feel like the end of an era. That the Packers, for 30 years, were untouchable. And now, this may be their death spin. Not going to be sudden. It's not even really going to be Newton, like noteworthy. But it is. it does feel like it's happening. Where for the Bills... I'm not saying they're going to go on a 30-year run of, of excellence and untouchable and two straight Hall of Fame quarterbacks... But Allen looks to be almost near a lock already to be an eventual Hall of Fame player. 
And even after just one Super Bowl appearance, one Super Bowl win, Allen would already be, in terms of team success, tied with Aaron Rodgers. And it feels wrong, but knowing the Packers organization, seeing them, looking at them over these 30 years, it feels just about right. We're going to take a quick timeout. We come back, look at some trade targets for the Buffalo Bills. You can tweet at me, at ZacharyJones198. Who is your dream trade target for the Bills? Doesn't matter about draft capital or even their contract. Who would you love to see this Bills team add as they look to get their first Super Bowl? We'll do that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. Zach Jones along with you for the next half hour or so as we wrap up a football Friday here on WGR. Before we went to break, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about who, you know, who could potentially be your dream scenario for the Bills to trade for. The trade deadline is next Tuesday. Some notable teams have made some moves. That includes the Chiefs going after Kadarius Toney and the Eagles. Now, yes, they're on the NFC, but... They're kind of getting close to that tier with the Bills and Chiefs. They go out and add Robert Quinn, and some reports have it that they're not totally done yet. That they are kind of willing to keep going, which is very much Howie Roseman, by the way. Like, he just, he likes to wheel and deal. Look at what they've done up to this point already. Darius Slade, James Bradbury, A.J. Brown, now Robert Quinn. Like, (laughs) he kind of likes to make trades. I would not put it past him of making another one. But we'll get some of your responses on Twitter. We'll do that. We'll get connected to our fans. That's brought to you by the law firm of Gelbert and O'Connell. We like to take your personal injury cases personally. Richard tweets in, obtaining a wide receiver on a rookie contract would be ideal, but I'm happy with another wide receiver to put us over the top. I agree with this. I think that's where also OBJ kind of finds himself. It's just, you know, just add another wide receiver. He would be obviously in free agency. But for him, and for me at least right now, yes, I'm all for adding Odell Beckham Jr. And if that's their late season move, I'm all for it, as long as he's healthy, of course. But man, if he really can only play like December, January, and February, really like the last like three games to get acclimated and then in the playoffs, I'm a little worried for that. I'm a little, little worried for that. We also had Rogue Five tweets in. He goes, whoever the best offensive lineman in the league is, totally agree with that. And again, I wanted people to tweet in, and, and I agree with this, I wanted people to tweet in your dream scenario. I don't care about draft capital. I don't care about you know money situation. Just let me know like who, because it also kind of shows what position you're looking at. Rogue is looking at offensive linemen. I fully agree. Nate tweeted it out earlier, Nate Geary, that he's kind of off the whole running back and wide receiver a little bit. He is looking now at offensive linemen. Me, for me personally, I don't know enough offensive linemen names. And also, I really don't know how to watch offensive lineman tape. Look, I'm a tall, skinny guy, so watching offensive lineman tape, I was like, why would I do that? I'm never going to be that guy. As a little kid, I could convince myself I could be a wide receiver or quarterback. Offensive lineman, I was like, that's... If somebody puts me out there, they're asking for me to die. So I just never did it, and I and I still I I can get like, you know, they pancake somebody. It's good, but you know, it's about it. But so for me, it it much more for offensive linemen in terms of when like you want to know if you got a good one. How often do they start for another team? That's really a big key. But I'm all for that. Mr. Snow tweets in. This is legitimately like dream scenario. Jonathan Taylor. Totally get it. Makes sense. Maybe the best back in the league. I think Saquon is really, really going for that title as well. And then we also have another tweet coming in. Jerry Judy for Isaiah McKenzie in a sixth. Way to also throw out, like, the the giveaways for this as well. McKenzie in a sixth, I think you're going to have to do a little bit better to get Jerry Judy. He was a first-round pick for the Broncos not that long ago out of Alabama. I liked Judy. 
He's been a name that's come up quite a bit on the station the last few days. I will say this about Judy. He has yet to reach his potential that he was supposed to have coming out of college. Coming out of college, out of Alabama, he was maybe one of the best route running, route running prospects the league had seen in like 25 years. I mean, he truly had elite route running ability. That was his God-given ability. Then you also had guys like Devonta Smith and Henry Ruggs who were on those teams as well that it was like, Judy's maybe the best overall receiver, but those guys maybe have better attributes. Ruggs with the speed, and then Devonta Smith with the speed as well, but eventually Smith becomes the best prospect of that group. But for me, if, if I had to go just flat-out dream scenario, for me it's Alvin Kamara. Uh, his name has come up a bit in terms of trade discussions just throughout the league. The Saints are not a very good football team. They basically can't win a game with Andy Dalton at quarterback, yet they want to keep playing him at quarterback. Michael Thomas... Jarvis Landry, Marshawn Landmore cannot get healthy. They're out again this weekend. Maybe the Saints are all about starting over. They don't have a first-round pick because they trade up to get Chris Olave this year. And as Bills fans, are we willing to give up a first-round pick for an immediate player? The draft has been key to the Bills' success. We're also seeing now with the Rams that you can, you know, have the phrase of F them picks and, and you know and all that stuff and, and really kind of be guns for hire a little bit out there. But ultimately it has hurt the Rams. They won a Super Bowl, yes. And half half the battle of winning a Super Bowl is also just falling in at the right time. If the Rams had played either the Bills or Chiefs, they likely don't win the Lombardi. That's just that I mean, that's just it would be betting facts as well. That the Bills or Chiefs would be the betting favorite in that game. And yet they faced the Bengals, and they were able to win. So for them, it maybe doesn't matter that all of a sudden now they don't have enough picks to really even... It's, they don't even have duct tape for a lot of their roster holes. They have no picks that can sure up that. They very rarely have any serious rookie talent. I still think their last first-round pick was Jared Goff. And they're well removed from Goff. I'm not saying that the Bills giving away a first-round pick would mean that. And to be perfectly honest, the last time the Bills gave away a first-round pick turned out to be quite successful. Stephon Diggs. Giving away a first-round pick, though, for a running back is a bit different. However, for me at least, in terms of looking at Alvin Kamara, he is not the very much prototypical running back. You look at Kamara, you are getting an offensive weapon. That's what you're getting. I Yes, he's out of the backfield, but I think where... You know, getting McCaffrey, it kind of becomes a thing of, all right, does our offense have to change, though? Are we now a different team because he's on our roster? With Kamara, I don't think so. He would become your bell cow, absolutely. I think you'd also probably have to trade Singletary in that deal just to offload him, just to make up room, for, you know, space for your roster as well. But just look, look at Alvin Kamara's rookie year. 120 rushes, 728 yards, 8 touchdowns. Now, yes, that's averaging you know over six yards a carry, but for me, it's more his receiving ability. 81 catches, 826 yards, and five touchdowns. That is why I want to add somebody like Alvin Kamara. That right there. Yes, I get the good rushing ability, but I don't feel like I'm forced to have him rush the ball. I'm not, a- I'm not asking Alvin Kamara to be a top five rusher in the league. He still is yet to rush for 1,000 yards in a season. It's the all-around ability that Kamara gives me. I've talked about James Cook a little bit about uh, you know on this show. 
in Sports Talk Saturday when I've covered for Nate Geary and stuff like that. And for me, James Cook, my dream for Cook, even when they drafted him, diet Alvin Kamara. Give me a guy who can develop into you know being able to run the ball conventionally in an NFL level, and give me a guy that can put up on a great year 800 yards receiving and be a serious weapon out of the backfield or in the slot. Give me that. Now, we haven't seen much from James Cook, and honestly, if you if you go for Alvin Kamara, you're kind of giving up on Cook's development. I acknowledge that. But if I'm asking for my dream scenario, to me at least, I was talking to my buddy Joe this morning too, just talking, like, you know, who would you want the Bills to go get? Like, what, what, what should happen? What would be the move that puts you over the edge? To me, that's the move that would put them over the edge. If they got somebody like Alvin Kamara, I don't even know if he's really on trade discussions. It could be a lot like a DJ Moore situation where you think the team's going to sell, but they're not really. To me, Kamara would do that. They would have a they would have an A plus player at every skill position. Because tight end, even though Dawson Knox is not necessarily the volume guy like a George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, you have to pay attention to him as an opposing defense. You literally cannot allow him to go. Because you saw last year, anytime he was able to break behind a cornerback or a safety, it was like a 60-yard touchdown. Allen would find him. Kamara would add so much to this team. I do partially think it would get to the point, maybe, that people would just start looking at the Bills and go, all right, when's, when's, when's the parade? When's the parade? And maybe, maybe that would happen. Now, another running back that's been mentioned as well, Two that I saw this morning, there were big rumors. One, I am very much against. The other one is interesting. I will say the more character stuff comes up with him. And actually, Bill tweeted this in just a moment ago. Kareem Hunt, he'd be a great fit. He's a red zone finisher. Fully agree with that. And Kareem Hunt, at the beginning of this year, did also talk about wanting out of Cleveland. He wants to be a bell cow back again. Kareem Hunt, though, is the character issues. There are issues. There's a reason he's on Cleveland and not still on Kansas City. But he is an unbelievable talent. If I'm just looking at talent... Kareem Hunt is absolutely that guy. I don't know if the Bills are even really seriously considering him for any sort of a high price because of the lingering character issues there. And they are there. Then you go to Cam Akers. He's the other name that's come up out of L.A. He effectively is is just, he's a healthy inactive. That's what he is now for the Rams. They're going completely with Henderson. Akers, he's coming off that, is it, uh, I want to say it's an ankle injury or Achilles. It's one of the two, but he has not looked the same at all. They kind of rushed him back last year. And now they are just completely moving off from him. It looks completely done. It's not even, it looks completely done. It is completely done there. I believe the Rams have been open about the fact that they're done with him, that they're shopping him and all that stuff. By the way, it wasn't Achilles injury. Just want to make sure on that. Another name, Antonio Gibson. Running back out of Washington. We'll see how much Brandon Bean actually wants to do business with the Washington Commanders after the J.D. McKissick stuff that went down during free agency. But Gibson, I think, would be a very, very good running back in this in this system. He's also a very good receiving threat. He actually played a lot of receiver in college. I think he actually was. Yeah, he was a receiver out of Memphis. He transitioned to running back to play in the NFL. So he comes in... Honestly, he he kind of would be the perfect back for Buffalo. He's Cordell Patterson before Cordell Patterson broke out. But he's on Washington, who seemingly can never get the ball to their best playmakers. 
Terry McLaurin fantasy owners, myself included, know this all too well, where we're just kind of sitting there hoping there's a touchdown because we're not going to get the volume receptions. Just not going to happen. And Gibson has kind of run into that wall as well. Yes, they have Robinson, who they're rookie out of. Oh, where, 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 I can't remember where he was out of, a rookie out of. But they have Robinson, J.D. McKissick they signed back. And now they're just kind of, they're spinning their wheels. Washington is absolutely a team that is just spinning their wheels. They really don't know what they're doing. Rookie year, pretty good. 170 yard, uh, rushes, 795 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns. Oh, that's the key. They also had 36 catches, 247 yards, no touchdowns. His second year, though, was very, very good. 258 uh, uh, rushing attempts, a little over 1,000 yards rushing, seven touchdowns. And then receiving, he had 42 catches, 294 yards, and three touchdowns. And now we're in the current season. 71 rushing attempts, 273 yards, two touchdowns, 22 catches, 170, and one touchdown. I think he'd be I think he'd be an interesting grab too, but he also does feel like a rent player. I think the big reason why a lot of us think that there's probably gonna be a need at running backs because we're not gonna sign back Devin Singletary. I think that seems likely, and Zach Moss may also be a healthy and active this weekend again. We'll see how that goes. They the team did run the ball pretty darn well against Kansas City, especially in the first half. Singletary was spectacular in the first half against Kansas City. I also think Brandon Cooks on the wide receiver end could be a very, very interesting one, mainly because as much as he gets traded, the dude just puts up 1,000-yard seasons. He's just on bad situations. But he puts up 1,000-yard seasons like nobody's business. He kind of, honestly, is the wide receiver version of Duke Johnson, who was on the Bills practice squad, but Duke Johnson was the best offensive player on really, really bad teams. And I don't think anyone's actually been able to see how good he could be if he was on a pretty darn good team. And yet he gets to the Bills. I'm not yet with with Mike on if I think Duke Johnson's the best running back on the team. However, I will say this. I'm certainly not discrediting it, and I'm not scoffing at it at all. Because he he, he has always had very good seasons, even with garbage surrounding him. I think that's the most fascinating part about Duke Johnson is that, honestly, you look at the rest of his career, and he's had a better career than basically anyone else on the Bills, or the Bills have right now. He's never had a 1,000-yard season, yet he's... Honestly, he might be diet Alvin Kamara. His rookie season, I mean, it's back in 2015 with the Cleveland Browns, but 379 yards rushing... or three, Yeah, 379 yards rushing, 534 yards receiving... And maybe his best season was in 2017, 384 yards rushing, four touchdowns, 693 yards receiving, and three touchdowns. That is Diet Alvin Kamara, actually. I think that'd be interesting. I don't think the Bills will ever dress him in a serious role to like have him really do something. I think a lot of us will be sitting there kind of waiting like we did with Matt Burita last year, where it was just kind of, you had that one game against the Jets and then nothing else, and that was kind of disappointing. I thought Burita could be really good in this offense, but... There's a number of trade pieces that I think the Bills could go for, and yet I just I don't think they're going to be able to make that wow move. The more I think about it, the more I think it's just going to be an offensive lineman that they draft with guard and center experience, and it'll be somebody that not a ton of people know about, but it'll absolutely fill a need. But it won't move the Richter scale like the Eagles and the Chiefs did. But it will be maybe just as important. 
We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk a little college football and we'll also look ahead to the NFL schedule this weekend. The Bills are playing Sunday night, but we do have, of course, the 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock windows. We'll do that when we come back here on the Nightcap on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap here on WGR. We're just wrapping up a football Friday here on WGR, and we'll do that. I will run through the NFL docket this Sunday. We'll pick the Bills game last, of course. That is Sunday Night Football. But starting off, Sunday morning, we have a London game again. That is between the Broncos and the Jaguars. Jaguars right now... I just don't. I don't. I don't get them. I They're like my least favorite child. I, I hoped so hard for them, and they have just spat in my face. Broncos, though, it looks like Russell Wilson is back after doing all of his leg exercises on the plane ride there. I will take the Broncos here, and that's really just I don't trust the Jaguars, and I trust the veteran leadership. Leadership, I guess, quote-unquote. The, the veterancy of the Broncos over... The Jaguars. Moving on, Panthers and Falcons. The winner of this, I believe, goes to sole possession of first place in the AFC South. I will take the Atlanta Falcons in this game. That'll actually move them to 500 at 4-4 four and four if they do win this game. Bears and Cowboys. The Cowboys are 10-point favorites in this. The Bears maybe just had their best game of the last two years in terms of offensive production. They put up 33 points. Justin Fields, I would say, has never looked better. However, I am going to take the Cowboys here. I don't expect them to cover, though, that 10-point spread. Moving on to the Dolphins and Lions. I'm going to take the Dolphins here. That'll move them to 5-3. and three. The Lions will move to 1-6. and six. I do think then Dan Campbell will be squarely on the hot seat if he does not quickly figure this out and at least go on a run to end the year. But playoffs at this point do look like a complete wash. Moving on to Cardinals and Falcons. The Cardinals will not have James Conner. That's a big part of their offense. He is a big bruiser in the red zone. And the Vikings, it's a 1 o'clock game. I trust Kirk Cousins. We'll go with the Vikings. Raiders, Saints, Saints. I mentioned it, I want to say in the first segment, or second segment, uh, they have no Marshawn Lattimore, Jarvis Landry, and Michael Thomas, both also out as well. And Andy Dalton, I they want him to be the starter, it feels like, but he's just not getting it done. Josh Jacobs for the Raiders has been a force, a real awakening for him in his career. I'll take the Raiders there. Patriots-Jets, the Patriots are 2.5 point favorites. I am going to take them just because I hate the Jets' offense. And now with Brees Hall out, I really don't trust that. Steelers and Eagles, the Eagles are 10.5 point favorites. I will take the Eagles. They will not, however, cover that spread. Titans and Texans, I'll take the Titans here. I think it's going to be their fifth straight win. Commanders and Colts, I'll take the Colts here. And that's mainly just due to Texas. I, I like Sam Ellinger. Um, didn't love him at Texas, but you know I got a little bit of pride there. And also, to be completely frank, I, I think he's probably going to be a better quarterback than Taylor Heineke on Sunday. 49ers, Rams, the 49ers will not have Debo Samuel. They're also shopping Jeff Wilson, it seems, as well, who, you know, was one of their key contributors in their rushing game until they drafted, or excuse me, until they traded for Chris McCaffrey. So I'll go Rams there. I'll go Rams, but I'm not really confident in that. Right now, the 49ers are a one point favorite, so that kind of also tells you how it's pretty much a pick them. Giants, Seahawks, I will take the Seahawks here. I believe in Geno Smith. I'm all about it. The Giants are very good at winning ugly games. I think Geno, though, plays a bit of a pretty game. And then we'll have Monday Night Football as well, Bengals and Browns. I'll take the Bengals here, even with Jamar Chase being out for maybe a month and a half. I'll take the Bengals there. And then Bills and Packers, I'll take the Bills here. I you know, I kind of mentioned that you know to start this show, I thought I was going to talk about maybe potentially not giving the Packers enough credit. I talked myself out of it in literally the opening song. I'll take the Bills here. I also will take them to cover 10.5. The Bills have been exceptional at covering at home. I'll take them there. And really, I also just don't really trust the Packers, even their run defense and their number one 
pass-ranked defense is a bit of a paper tiger. So that'll do it. Those are my pickums, And, of course, remember, 3 p.m. on Sunday is when pregame starts right here on WGR. And then, of course, we'll take you all the way to kickoff at 820, where John Murphy, Eric Wood, and Sal Capaccio will be on the call. The Bills take on the Green Bay Packers for Sunday Night Football. It will be at Highmark Stadium. This is the Nightcap, and this is WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.